And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Business of Sport podcast on The Athletic. Each week, we'll take you behind the curtain into the world of football business and other sports across the globe. And alongside me today from The Athletic is football news reporter Matt Slater. It's an FA Cup special today ahead of the third round this weekend. We're focusing on two of the minnows set to face Premier League clubs. We're joined by the CEO of Marine AFC, James Leary, and the chairman of League Two's Newport County, Gavin Foxall. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month and enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. Just head to theathletic.com slash Ornstein and Chapman to sign up. Marine AFC then head into this weekend's FA Cup third round tie against Tottenham as the joint lowest ranked side left in the competition. They play in the Northern Premier League. That's the eighth tier of English football. There won't, of course, be any fans in attendance, but the TV cameras will be there on Sunday evening. And joining us now is the Marine CEO, James Leary. Thanks for joining us, James. Um, I would imagine at the moment you are run off your feet. It is chaos. Absolutely mad. You know, wouldn't, you wouldn't change it for the world, but it has just gone completely crazy. Every single uh, media outlet, you know, in all sorts of different countries are contacting us. From a, a business perspective, we're getting all sorts of approaches from all sorts of different companies, you know, international brands, local brands want to help. Uh, we've had Tom Hotspur fans all over, supporters groups in North America, uh, where every single corner of the world there seems to be Tottenham supporters groups getting in touch and asking how they can help, how they do their buy scarves, how can they donate to the football club, what can they do, how can we work together going forward. So it's just been a fantastic experience. I mean, the last probably three, four months has been, been unbelievable. Uh, from Marine Football Club, but the last probably three three to four weeks have just gone on to an, another level. Before we started this recording, you, you pointed out to me that you have a normal job as well. I, I just wonder what it's like when your hobby, which is what this is, as you, as you were saying to me, when you are in the eye of what is a very pleasant storm. I, me and Matt not that long ago spoke to one of the guys at Wrexham who's doing that as a volunteer and suddenly <laughs> suddenly finds himself dealing with Ryan Reynolds and half of Hollywood. So uh, when when you're when you're doing something for love, but you're in, in in the middle of this, what's it like? You wouldn't change it for the world. I and mean, everything you work towards. I mean, you know, we've we've had probably a tough eight eight to ten years at Marine. You know, we, in, from a league perspective, we haven't done particularly well. Uh, we've struggled. So to get a moment like this is just something that you know you don't you don't you don't turn down the chance at. And as I say now, it's just about working as hard as we can in the few weeks that we that we've got our moment to try and maximise it, to try and get what we can from it, to make sure that it sets the football club up now for the for the years ahead. When you come out of the hat with Tottenham and you're hosting them, do you make contact with them first of all? Or do they make contact with you? How, how does it work? I think I think our club secretary was onto theirs within about five minutes of the draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 
I think I think obviously you know there was there was a lot in terms of preparation for the game. There was there was worries that we might not be able to play the game at our ground. There was concerns over numbers, how many people would be allowed. Obviously, before it, we were forced to go behind closed doors, so there was a lot of uh, issues to resolve. You know, there was worries about coronavirus and, and how we could mitigate against COVID uh, risk for the Tottenham the Tottenham players, rightly so. So we had to resolve all these issues, and then it was a relief when. We were finally given the all clear that we could play at Marine, and as I said, I just don't think the game would have been as the spectacle that it is on, on or it, it hopefully will be on Sunday if it hadn't have been at Marine. And I think the FA recognised that as well. You know, the FA have been fantastic and supportive. They've worked with us, worked with all different departments within Marine to try and make sure that the game on on Sunday can be uh, as good as it can be. And, and that's the same for everyone locally as well. You know, the police have been absolutely fantastic in terms of supporting us and, and, and what's going to happen on the day. Uh, the council, you know, everything in terms of locally, um, things like, you know, on the high street, blocking off uh, areas we need to be blocked off to be able to facilitate all the different lorries and, and TV cameras and vans. So it's, I say, it's just been one of them games that is really heartwarming where everything seems to fall into place and everyone in football seems to have come together to support us. And it, as I say, it's, 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 it's quite emotional, really, but it's absolutely fantastic for the club. James, just um, on that COVID issue, because it is, it's, it's the dominant issue for, for all of us for about the last year, but it's really, really come back as a, as a professional football talking point in the last few weeks just what what have you done in the last let's say fortnight to ensure that this game can go ahead and it can be as safe as possible we've done a lot of things really i mean you know it's, it's interesting you, you see all the, all the stories of the different premier league clubs who have you know players over christmas and new year they've been to parties etc etc you know we've, we've got a real good group of level-headed lads who you know, they, they, they take things seriously. They, they, get, they get on well together. They've got a good relationship. They're really, really good set of lads. And so far, touch wood, it hasn't really affected us at all, coronavirus. So we, we've done as, as much, obviously, so from, a, from a, um, an education point of view to the players, the manager has been working with them closely to sort of reiterate what they can and can't do. But, you know, as well as we can, obviously, it's, it's a bit slightly different to the, to the football league clubs because, you know, they, it's easier for them to stay in the bubbles um, during the week, whereas obviously I've got you know, full-time jobs as, as has been, you know, nationally uh, spoke about with the bin man and the, and the bouncer and the teachers. And it's, it's obviously more difficult for us. So it's about doing all we can to try and mitigate it. As I say, a lot of that's through education, just in, in talking to the players in terms of reminding the responsibilities. But I think also from a football club perspective, you know, we've got a COVID officer, Dave McMillan, who is really stringent in terms of what he does. And, and we've been doing everything possible to make sure the players, especially during, for example, training and travelling to matches, are just as socially distanced as possible. So as I say, if we did have any issue, that the, the, the risk would be minimised. Have you have you guys been testing? Have you been doing lateral flow tests? Yeah, we have, yeah. So as part of the... We, we were testing it beforehand anyway, but obviously... The, the third round, probably the FA Cup, we've got certain uh, guidelines we've got to follow with the FA. Uh, and with that is a test. And so we did a test on the 1st of January and then we've got another test uh, tomorrow night uh, at training. Your players will must be really nervous about that. And, and, and I asked that from, you know, I was doing the Challenge Cup final a, a couple of months ago and, and the players in the week to that not only had the build-up to a to a final in in rugby league, but also that that nervousness of tests coming back, and if and if it went the wrong way for them, they're ruled out of a of a Challenge Cup final. And your your players and your staff and everybody connected with the club who can be there must be feeling those nerves 
as well. I mean, when, when the Tottenham draw was made, um, we had a game, a league game just after that, and David Raven, our centre half, uh, got sent off in it. Now it was it was a second yellow, but we he, he was we were basically majorly worried that, that would mean he would be out of the um, of the Tottenham game. Now, luckily, as as things would happen, we were allowed to play the game on Boxing Day against City Liverpool, and then it was a press what game that got cancelled for the first time. And that meant that he could play. So as soon as he got that red card, he's sort of panicking, thinking he's going to miss the game of his life. I mean, I believe when he when he played for uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle, they got to the final uh, of the Scottish Cup and they beat, he, beat, he, beat, he beat Van Dijk and, and Celtic in the semi-final. And he was injured, so couldn't play in that final and it was the most gutted moment of his career. And you're looking now at the second biggest moment of his career and think he potentially could have missed that as well. So it, in answer to your question, you're absolutely right. You know, it's a massive, massive moment for the players on Thursday night. Every single one will be having the fingers crossed, making sure that there's that, that there's no um, there's no issue and not going to fall foul and, and come back positive. And I think we just hope for all of them. We, we need to go with the strongest squad as possible so the score remains as, as, as low as possible. Um, and, and, and so as a result of that, I just hope that we can go with a full 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 squad as we can. James, this is the, the Business of Sport podcast. So I'm going to ask you a, a numbers question. First of all, how, how many rounds have you played to get to this point? We've won seven games to get to today. So it's... First game we played against Barnswick Town, we were 1-0 down with three minutes to go. Um, and then we, we scored a goal in the 92nd minute when it was about to go to penalties. Uh, it, hit, it, it was a free kick, it hit the bar, came down. Didn't go over the line, but the linesman was flagging for a goal. So I owe, uh, I owe, that, I owe that linesman a plant. <laughs> that game, that, that, that two minutes could completely have changed your club's future, couldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong, the players have done unbelievable to get to where we have and, and some of the performance they've put in rounds after rounds have been unbelievable. But, you know, we, we have had a little bit of luck along the way. You know, we won two penalty shootouts. We got that goal. Uh, that was given as a goal that, that shouldn't have been. We won at the last minute against Havant, uh, obviously uh, off the back of Nal Cummins' neck when he knew nothing about it. So we, we've, we've rode our luck, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to... It's the first time it's happened to... Well, it's the first time we've done it, obviously, for 28 years. Um, and the players have worked unbelievably hard to, to be able to get there. So that's seven lots of prize money, right? You're a chief right. exec. What's the running total? What are you up to? <laughs> So well, obviously, I mean, obviously, in the early rounds, it's it's uh, you know the, the, yeah. the prize prize money is prize money. A beer, a bag of balls, that sort of thing. But but, it, but it's it's real it's real money now. What what are you up to? <laughs> so I mean, I mean, probably looking around well over the two hundred thousand pound mark now, um, which is unbelievable. Obviously, we're going to get a, a seventy five thousand pound fee on for the game on Sunday. We got thirty, I think it was thirty four thousand for the last round on 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 TV. So. You know, it's it's fantastic for the club. I and mean, numbers like that, you know, normally we're scra- scraping around trying to find sponsors to give us 500 quid or 750 50 quid. And now, you know, we've literally got, as I say, multinational companies contacting us to see how they can get involved. You know, we've got, uh, as I say, we've, we've, we've sold front of the shirt, back of shirt uh, for this one game. We've sold back of shorts. We've sold sleep. Uh, and all that's going to get announced on Thursday. We had Jamie Carragher. I don't know if, if you saw it, but Jamie Carragher to sponsor the dugouts. So we're trying to do what we can to, to make the most out of the opportunity, as, as I mentioned before, just to really try and set us up um, for the years ahead, really, and, and make it an everlasting impact. And, and rightly so. And this is this is you know part of what the cup's about, isn't it? Distributing wealth. So you know, look, ideally you'd have fans in as well, and that would put what another 
100 grand on the day? So so far, what we've said is that we've, we've by being behind closed doors in the FA Cup run, we've missed out on 100,000. So, that's the game, for example, fourth qualifying rounds, probably would have had 2,500 in attendance um, that we've missed out on that. First round, uh, Colchester United away, probably would have been a gate of, let's say, three and a half to 4,000, zero. Uh, second round, having at Waterlooville, again, without coronavirus, would have had at least a couple of thousands in there. Full house, same again for the Spurs game. So there's that element of it, but there's also the element of it that from a sponsorship point of view for the Spurs game, you know, we had all sorts of lines up. We had a sportsman's dinner on a Thursday. We had a pre-match, sort of a pre-match hospitality where we're going to have all sorts of auctions and sell prizes. Match sponsor, match ball sponsor. We were going to sell 20 player sponsorships for a £1,000 to go. But as part of that, the key was tickets. And then, of course, as soon as it was announced it was going to be behind closed doors, Everybody who were happy to pay the high amounts when there was tickets involved, or literally almost everybody said, that's it, it's not for us. I mean, we managed to speak to a few and sort of um, agree like £150, £200 for a sort of lower level sponsorship without um, without getting tickets for it. Just so, to put all this into context, James. So, this, I mean, the, the opportunities were, were, were big and were exciting, but you've done a really good job anyway. And, and you know, you're, you're doing quite nicely. And my, you know, £60,000 if you win this game, Twenty thousand pounds if you lose, so you know there's, a, there's another forty grand on the table there. But what would a club like Marine normally make? What did you make last year in total? Well, so so normally, I mean, we're, we're a fan-owned club. We're all volunteers, so normally we 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 just break even as a club. So normally the turnover is about three hundred grand. I think we budget to make about three grand in the FA Cup each year. So when you take what we've done, it's just unbelievable. And when you take our our wage budget, was probably between the one hundred and one thirty mark. At the start of the season, we've really probably just shy of doubled that. So it's, as I say, this is where the everlasting impact comes from. Uh, and as I say, this is why it's just completely transformational and, um, and and you just wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. And as I say, when you've got companies want to... I mean, I, I did an exercise in the summer, for example, and I contacted about 80 multinational companies and I, I basically said, this is Marine, this is what we're looking to try and do. Just launched a five-year plan. Would you like to get involved? Now, out of all them companies that I contacted, I got one response. And that one wow. that one response was a guy who was based in London. It was an electric, um, electricity company, major electricity company. He said, thanks for your email. He said, I, I was at Liverpool University. He said, I used to come to a couple of Marine games. He said, but uh, no thanks to the sponsorship. He'd <laughs> <And that was laughs> heard of you, though. <laughs> yeah, so that was it. So, yeah, and to go from that to now, where all of a sudden, you know, companies are sort of falling over themselves to help us, which, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, even not so much even sponsorship, just clubs want to give donations of product or, I mean, we had Nivea, uh, speaking to Nivea last week and they're going to send 25 big boxes for the players. Uh, I've asked for some anti-aging cream as well for the man. <laughs> <laughs> they about five years in the last five weeks, I think. Uh, we've got Emirates are sending up 25 boxes for the lads of different different goodies. We've got Budweiser, uh, our, our keeper after the last round uh, went... Uh, across the local market to get some beer and that was all over the, the national press so Budweiser have said to us that they don't want any players or fans now uh, to have to pay for, for beer so uh, Budweiser I think they're going to announce it the next day or so but they've actually asked all season ticket holders if they want free beer for, on Sunday so there's tons and tons and tons as I say companies that want to get involved and Bear, bearing in mind um, this is uh, the Business of Sport podcast on The Athletic uh, who would you say James has been a, the most valuable sponsor to, to come forward <laughs> Without a doubt, the athletic and 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 also, in the, the, the really answer. The, the really uh, good thing is that 
for me, it's about longevity. It's about, you know, not just one day. It's about working together. And I, I, and I think that's what, we, you know, in terms of we can do with Athletic. And we've spoken about all the different things that we, we can do together, uh, how we can how they can help us over the next few months and how, how we can hopefully help the athletic as well. So as I say, that's, that's the, for me, the real, um, the more, the more we can do with people, the longer we can work with uh, national brands, the better. As I say, this is a perfect example of it. Momentum was going to be my next question, actually, because whatever happens against Tottenham at the weekend in a normal season, you would then hope to see a bounce in, in future weeks, wouldn't you? From, from crowds and interest and so on and so forth. Presumably, once this game is over, if you go out, once this game is over, there's nothing for you to carry the momentum on in the, in the near future. Absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, our season's been completely cancelled. Whether it's going to restart again, I don't know. I really hope that there's not going to be no football until until August. Uh, that'd be an absolute disaster. I'm hoping that April, May to June time, there's talk of them splitting the league into two and having two, 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 two leagues of ten and having a smaller mini league, if you like. And I hope that they do something because, you know, to go another seven months and hell without playing would be absolutely, it'd be, it'd be soul destroying. And as I say, Mark, you know, you look at the impact in terms of the interest locally. I mean, I've been involved with Marine for probably 25 to 30 years. I mean, with a brief stint at Berry, as I think you know, in that 30 years, you know, I've, I've, you get laughed at normally for people saying, why the hell just, just to follow them sort of thing. And the same people that have been laughing for the last 30 years, all of a sudden, you know, they're the one that, before this guy closed doors, we're, we're, we're begging me for tickets. So I say it's just it's just unbelievable. As you say, I just hope that when when it whenever it does restart, April, July, that we can somehow have kept the interest within the club, so that all of a sudden our gates, rather than getting four hundred as we were getting before coronavirus hit, you know maybe we can we can we can increase substantially, and that can really help us to sort of build on that over the coming years. And and as regards your your playing staff, then through, through all of this, what? I mean, what happens to them after this game if this is the end of the FA Cup journey? I mean, how are you contracting them, working with them, whatever it may be? I mean, are they just sort of well, what well, what happens to them after yeah. this game? On Monday, they'll be furloughed. Um, assume, assuming we don't we we, we don't win, and um, hopefully there'll, there'll be another um, there'll be one last leg maybe. But um, as it stands now, the players are going to get furloughed from from Monday onwards, so they'll basically receive their their, their full pay, which is obviously you know it's a it's a positive thing. But you know we, we've had major difficulties, for example, with players for the Tottenham game. So st- as standard in in August when we start the football season, we'll sign players on loan, and we'll normally set, sign them until January, and then when it comes to January, if things are going well, we'll extend it until the end of the season. Now we've we we had three players in that scenario, um, and all three players expired on the third of Jan. Obviously, coming into the game, you know the big question was what the hell do we do because the minimum extension of a loan is 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 a full month. So from there's either, there's either one or two things either we extend it for a month and pay the extra three weeks, which to be fair we were happy to do. But the problem we had was the teams that we had loaned to were saying, well, hang on a second. If our players come to you for the full month, that means that when your game's finished against Tottenham, you're going to have three weeks where our players won't be able to play for us as a, as a result. So Salford with Motore was a good example. You know, Motore has played in every single game so far of the seven, of the seven games. He's a top-class player for us. Salford recalled him in the end of November. He's been on their bench for the last probably six to eight weeks, but Mo, Mo wants to play. Um, but unfortunately, just, it isn't going to work out. So it's a, it's a big loss for us for this game, really, as especially... 
you know, the team, as I say, that we've only probably used 15, 16 players in the whole FA Cup run. And the team has been really, as I say, we've had consistency, we've had momentum and it's kept on building. So it's just really disappointing that he hasn't been able to been able to stay. It's horrible that, isn't it? Because in all, in all the feel-good stuff and in all the sentiment that's around, it it brings it into focus that it, it is still a business. That's right, that's right. But, you know, as I say, I, I can't complain for, every, for all the support we've got. Salford's one example. You know, we have a great relationship with Salford. We've got, um, well, we had we had Motore um, and, and, and Alex Doyle on loan. We just signed recently Hayden Campbell as well. So we have a really good working relationship with them. And, and this is exactly, you know, what we want to do. We want to build, you know, we've got a great manager, Neil Young, and we want to keep building good relationships with, with football league teams really to help try and, try and progress. You mentioned the... Um... The, the longer term vision, the, the one you pitched to all those multinationals. I mean, where 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 could should Marine be? What what are we talking national league? Well, it's a good question. I mean, you look going back probably fifteen twenty. Obviously, the, the pyramid's been restructured so many times over the last twenty years. So going back uh, to ninety five, we won well ninety four and ninety five. We won the Northern Premier League uh, twice when there was no conference in North or South. So we would have got promoted straight to the conference premier. And then at that time, there was whereas now you're allowed up for a period and then you have to get your ground right. At the time, if your ground wasn't good enough, you don't go up. So we were we were denied promotion twice. A lot of the people locally sort of got disinterested with the club because they thought we were going nowhere. A lot of the players at the time went off elsewhere um, to other clubs and the club really lost a lot of momentum. So now it's about sort of rebuilding that back. We've spent half a million pounds on the ground to improve it. And now it's about really sort of getting getting our swagger back, if you like, getting the momentum back, getting the local people back interested in the club again. And I think this run is a perfect lever to, to allow us to do it. So I think, you know, in terms of where we can get to, it's a, it's a good question. You know, I, I keep joking so, man, you know, about being a, an Accrington Stanley, you, know, you look at Accrington Stanley, they played in our league a number of years ago, uh, as Wigan Athletic did, but Accrington Stanley, a quirky little club, as people see them at, they've seen, they, they seem to have just pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. And I'm not saying that we could get to Football League, but what I would like to do is have um, the belief that we can keep improving and that we can keep pushing on and see where it takes us. Um, I would say minimum, you know, we'd like to be in Conference North. And as I say, we just need to keep working and seeing where we get to. I mean, our ground's really restricted. So we've, we've, we've done a lot of work in the last three to six months to see what changes we could make to the ground to get to the best level that we, we possibly could. Uh, do you not, given your experiences in football, do you not think, actually, that, that could be an ambition for, for so many clubs around your level and a bit above your level? You know, go right, I go around the country with these FA Cup draws and, you know, you do the first, the second round, the third round and often at, you know, places like Marine or Chorley or Malden and Tiptree in the past or Chichester, whatever. And you actually think, you know, there isn't that much difference between a lot of them. It's all down to the people. It's all down to the people involved who run it and how closely they ally to their community to get the community involved to boost the coffers a bit to then allow them to progress. 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a few big money men uh, at our level yeah. and levels above. You know, there's some clubs on, you look at the South Shields of the world. Um, Filed. Filed, Basford. So the people who have got really, really wealthy backers, multi-millionaires, and I've, I've sort of, Salford City, dare, dare I say it, you know, they've obviously yeah. got a fair few quid be, behind them to get to where they are. So there's, there's that scenario. But then there's also the, the, the argument that if you actually generally do things in the right way, I mean, we, we've had the same argument at Marine where the odd person said over the last decade, you know, we need to change from being a fan-owned club. We need to change from being a fan-owned club. Um, and we need, you know, if we go private, get a multi-billionaire and all, all the rest of it. But 
And there's arguments for and against. You know, we've seen so many clubs getting hands the wrong person. You know, Berry a perfect example, but there's many, many, many others. And now I would argue that actually a fan owned model is the right way to go. It's just got to be the right people basically driving it forward. And if you drive it forward in the right way with community values at its heart, you know, there is good potential for growth. And I mean, and then and then you look at the from a financial perspective. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, and the challenge of going through the leagues, you look in, in league, you, once you get to League 2, for example, you know, you get, I think, is it 1.6 million a year now from, from the TV alone? And once you get to that level, you know, I think there's only ever, I think there's ever been a club that's gone straight down. So it's more of a leveler once you get that sort of income, especially with the wage cap that's come in. So I think from, from our perspective, it's try and push up as much as we can and see where, I say, see where we get to. And there will be challenges along the way. First stop, or well, first stop be Northern Premier League, but really try and get to the Conference North and then and see where we end up from there. You uh, have given us a lot of your time at a time when you are run off your feet. So thank you very much uh, for that. Obviously, hope it goes as, as well as you want it to on, on Sunday in every aspect, you know, financially as well as as well as well football-wise. Thanks, Mark. Good luck, James. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And up next, we look at a lower league club who've had plenty of experience of mixing it with the big boys in recent years. We're joined by the Newport County chairman, Gavin Foxall. Anyone who says the FA Cup has lost its magic need only speak to anyone connected with Newport County in order to be quickly corrected. The South Wales club have had great success in the competition in recent seasons. They've earned well over a million pounds facing the likes of Tottenham, Leicester and Manchester City along the way. This weekend they face another Premier League side in Brighton and Hove Albion. And their chairman Gavin Foxall joins us now. And and you're old you're an old hand at this, aren't you, Gavin? You're getting used to playing a, a Premier League big boy in the third round of the FA Cup. Yeah, it's fantastic though for the club and you know for the city as well. It's a shame obviously fans are not going to be there, but um yeah, we've had a, a bit of a history with uh, FA Cup ties and certainly at Rodney Parade. I know you've been there yourself and, uh, you know, it's great atmosphere that's generated by the fans. I say it's a shame they're not going to be there, but um, yeah, great occasion for the for the club and we do like Premier League opposition. Uh, we talked to the Marine CEO just before you came on and, and about obviously the financial implications for them and that's just off one season of this. I mean, how far back would, would you go for the financial implications for your two? What, 2017-18 when, when Tottenham were, were drawn? Is that when it kind of started? Yeah, absolutely so. I mean, we've been very fortunate, um, you know, with the draws that we, we've had in, uh, in, in the Cup. Um, and indeed, in, in all the Cup competitions, we've been very fortunate with, with that. And I think somebody was saying to me recently, I think if you're a, um, a fan of a a certain age, you you believe that we play a Premier League club every other season. So um, 
you know, it is good in, uh, in, in, in that respect. But we've been very fortunate with, with that. But you're right, it goes back to, to then. It was a great evening, managed to get a, a draw, go back to Wembley. And then, of course, the following season where we've beaten Leicester, we've hosted Man City, you know, we've beaten Leeds there as well. And, of course, we beat Middlesbrough. So we've been really, really fortunate with uh, the draws we had. But having said that, great believer that uh, you create your own luck. And we've certainly done that on, on the field. And um, we've been great for everybody involved in the FA Cup. It's what it's really made of, really. Kevin, I just want to, um, just for anyone that, that doesn't remember and isn't isn't sort of a student of Newport County's Cup runs, 2018-19 really sticks out for me because it, it's got a bit of everything. Metropolitan Police, round one. I mean, there's a, there's an FA Cup team, if ever there was one. A replay against Wrexham. You beat Leicester on the BBC. Middlesbrough, a replay. That's on telly as well. And then Man City on, on BT. What a run. I, I, I try to total it all up. What was it, about 1.25 million in prize money and, and TV alone? Yeah, there or thereabouts, I think. I can't remember the exact figures, but um, it was certainly uh, most welcome, that's for sure. And uh, I think, you know, when you look at the FA Cup, um, you know, there's always that argument of the the FA Cup in terms of the romance is gone. Well, it's not gone for clubs at our level, that's for sure. And uh, I think the fact that the clubs that you've, you've named there that we've, we've played both in the Championship and indeed uh, in the Premier League, tell you what it's all about. And... Uh, you know, it was interesting in in that year. We had a we had a great day at uh, a Metropolitan Police, and in fact, to a certain extent, it was the tables turned there because I think they had their highest crowd they had in many years there. And as you rightly say, we went to Wrexham, and of course, there's the there's the Welsh rivalry with with that because we beat them in the in the playoff uh, final, and um, to get a, a draw up there was uh, I, I think we were fortunate uh, that that evening, to be honest. But then little bit different down at our place and then you start dreaming then because that third round tie and I, I've always thought you know even when I was a kid for me the the best day in the football calendar is that third round of the FA Cup where you you know you only have to look at the the TV coverage of uh, the Ronnie Radford goal and that type of business and then of course in more recent years um, we featured in that trail of that with Podge and his goals against uh, Leicester. It's fantastic, really. It is Roy the Rover stuff. Well, well just, I was going to follow up, really. I mean, you mentioned that, that it is this great date, particularly for, for, for clubs in the EFL, League One, League Two, non-league. Is some of the sheen taken off this year that the Cup, the FA has had to, to halve the budget, basically, in terms of prize money? I, I, I was just having a look. I think it was about seventeen grand for, for round one, twenty-five for round two. There's there's, there's potentially sixty-one thousand pounds on offer to the winner in round three. But it is it's half what was available. Yeah, last I, year. I I think it's obviously reflective of the, the climate that we're in, and I uh, you know I think if and we've tried to to do this a lot. Certainly at League Two, you will know that you know as a collective we we've been very much together in this right the way through the 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 pandemic so i think it is the right thing to do because if you go out the competition you still get a share in some of that prize money and uh, you know that's really really welcomed in 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 that respect i think the 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 biggest shame about all of it is not having fans in because you know we know very well that we would have sold out for for this game as we've always done um, and we always have a debate about do we increase uh, the capacity by putting extra stands up that we've done in in previous years. And that's the real shame about it, because usually in the week leading up to this, you can really feel the buzz 
around the city. In previous years, we've taken the FA Cup to schools and really engaged with the community around it. And of course, you can't do that at the moment. And, uh, and that's the shame for me around it. It's, it's not really sharing that experience with everybody. Before we come on to onto the pandemic as a whole for you as an EFL club, ju- just one more on prize money, because we often, or money that comes in from a cup run, we often talk about, you know, the, the advantages of all this money that can come in and what it can do for you. What what are the challenges of, of that money coming in? I'm sure there are challenges, more challenges if the money doesn't come in. But once you've got the prize money and the TV money and the extra gate money, how, how much of a battle is it for you as a board to then go, right, do we improve our infrastructure? Do we improve our ground? Do we put it all to playing? Do we put some of it away for a rainy day? I mean, there are a lot of competing interests for you, I'm guessing, when that money comes in. Yeah, absolutely so. I mean, first of all, it's a nice position to be in. We've not been in that (laughs) that position at this club very, very often. But essentially, we did all those things. We did a kind of third, third and third. So, you know, we put some into the playing budget, we put some into the infrastructure, and we put some in for the rainy day. And the rainy day obviously arrived in part of the pandemic. And, you know, to a certain extent, it's that money that's seen us through with everything else that we've we've done around that as well, but put us in a, a good starting position. You know, a lot of clubs were in a very difficult position and then the pandemic hit. We weren't in that, that position, A, because of what's happened with the cup run, but also the way that we've managed it in a prudent fashion so that we did take, a, would say, a, a cautious approach with it. Because, you know, there could have been a, a tendency to say, do you know what, let's go for broke, do as much as we can, you know, we, we did extremely well with the playoff final, etc. Just lost uh, uh, against Tramia. And there could have been a tendency to say, do you know what, let's throw everything at it the, the next season. But you've got to think about the sustainability of a, a, a football club. And, you know, we as a board, as you know, we're a supporter-owned club. So we're custodians of, of that club. And we've got to make sure that that club survives whatever is thrown at it at the end of the day. And, um, and that means managing things in the right and appropriate fashion. And, and we're in a reasonable position despite the pandemic at the moment. But initially, that money that allowed us to make those decisions certainly came from the cup run. In the discussions moving on to, to, to finances and COVID and, and EFL, how active was Newport's voice in the EFL bailout, bearing in mind how um, sensibly you have run the club? Well, it- League Two, as a general cohort, so that's all 24 League Two clubs, came together exceptionally well um, over the, the summer within the, the lockdown. And that started really with um, the curtailment of, of the season, you know, pretty much unanimous decisions by all clubs. And what was really quite warming, because you don't get this in, I don't think you get this in life very often, you certainly don't get it in football, but I think there was a general consensus right the way through that everybody wanted to act and what was the good of the game as opposed to the good of individual clubs, etc. So, you know, we as other clubs were part of that process. I was the representative on that, and I was proud to be part of that that process. And I think League Two as a cohort came together really, really well to make some, you know, very sensible decisions in terms of where we were going with containment of the season. And then I think the bigger thing, and I, I personally believe, and I know a lot of people uh, uh, have the similar opinion. The best thing that's come out of the, the pandemic, certainly for clubs at our level, has been the salary cap. If you look at any business, and it's no different in football, you know, your 
your biggest cost and expenditure is in salaries. And everybody wants to, to chase the dream of, of promotion. And one of the uh, League Two chairman characterized it to me once. It's about protecting chairman almost from themselves in terms of wanting to support the manager, spending that money in certain areas, kind of taking the risks. They don't really know whether they're going to pan out or, or, or not. You bring a salary cap in, it's a very blunt instrument. You're not able to do it. The rules don't allow you to do it. And I think that helps significantly to control the cost base. It still, I think, uh, doesn't make clubs sustainable and then avoid a situation like a Bury or a Macclesfield, etc. Because clubs have still got to be run in a, in a sensible way. There's a whole raft of other things that can, that can knock you over. Um, but certainly, I think as a starting point, this was a, an excellent thing to come into play. I thought the EFL did a very good job in navigating that, that through because it's a tricky thing and a big change. Gavin, you, you mentioned risks. You've, you've talked about infrastructure and, and Rodney Parade, the ground. Look, you've got this big game Sunday evening, Brighton, Premier League team coming down. But there there are some challenges, there's some risks, right? I mean, one one we've we've talked about COVID and we'll we'll get back to that as well. But there's a very specific issue that you have, haven't you, at Rodney Parade? And I know this because you were supposed to host my team, Southend United, at the weekend. Frozen pitch, waterlogged pitch, was it the week before or a few days before? I know you've got Cardiff Blues, the rugby team that have been sharing your facility. What What can you tell us? How, how's well, the pitch looking? Well, I was going to say, uh, I after Saturday's game was um, was called off, I said to my long-suffering wife, I'm going to have to go for a walk before I go nuts because I just cannot believe this game is off. It was a glorious day here. Sun was even shining, which doesn't happen very often in Wales. So, um, you know, I was thinking, what? And I rang the EFL and I spoke to, to Dave Cookson there and I said to Dave, I said, Dave, we are known for two things um, at Newport at times, one of which is our FA Cup pedigree in the runs, and the other is the pitch. And I said, you know, it's really difficult trying to get rid of that tag because, as you probably know, we laid a new pitch, but the tag has never gone. So when we have occurrences like we did Saturday and Tuesday, it just brings the things back up. So what are we doing about it? We are bringing in a dome, we're having a dome. <laughs> so the dome is arriving. The pleasure dome. Well, I wish, but the dome is arriving as we speak. So we are putting a dome over the pitch. Um, and we did this, oh, I can't remember. We saw it. A number of years ago, we played Blackburn in the uh, in the FA Cup. And that game was was called off an hour and a half before the, the kickoff. Hospitality was packed. People were waiting outside, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we brought a dome in then uh, for the replay because we could not afford for it to be off. This is exactly the same here. So I spoke to the rugby. Of course, we share the ground with the rugby. They've got a game on there as well. And we said to them, look, we need to protect both games. Um, why don't we go halves on, on this? Share the costs uh, of bringing a dome in. So, yeah, we've got a specialised dome that's coming in. Basically... They, they blow hot air into what is an enormous dome, covers the pitch. Uh, the boys can still work on it, doing their, their, their jobs. It'll go up now until probably um, the weekend. Rugby, it'll be taken down for the rugby game. It'll be put back up after for us just to protect the pitch. So 
unless something, and I, I, I never want to say never because of the fact that I won't be able to walk around Newport again if it's not on. Um, so you never want to say that, but we, we are confident that the game shouldn't have an issue purely because of the fact that we're investing in that because, you know, it's not good for the reputation of the, the, the club. And of course, it has a financial impact. And, um, and also from a playing perspective, you know, the fixtures are already stacking up. We don't want any more yeah. stacking up. We want to play the game. Obviously, you mentioned fi- fixtures piling up. They're, they're piling up par- partly through weather, but mainly at the moment because of a positive COVID tests. Where, where are you at as, as a club with with your um, COVID testing? And do you wish that more help, financial help, had been made available to EFL clubs to conduct more regular COVID tests? Well, I mean, we we've been quite fortunate in the fact that we haven't had the similar outbreaks that other clubs have have had. And of course, all the protocols are put in place and we follow those uh, protocols. I think that the Blinial manager has often referred to the head of medical there as the COVID police. And, you know, they are quite anal and they need to be quite anal to make sure we're doing all we can within our environments to make sure it is a safe and comfortable environment so we mitigate the risk. If we do that, and we do that in the right way. We know we've operated to the protocols. We can't control if there's going to be an outbreak. We're, it's out there. We all know that. We only have to look at the, the spikes that are going on um, at the moment. So it's inevitable that that will happen. But what we need to make sure is that we're doing as much as we can. I don't know whether you've just seen, and you probably haven't just seen, but there is a press release, I think, going out now that the EFL clubs will now be testing twice a week and and I believe from what I can see that that is not going to be funded by the club so that that is enormously helpful without a shadow of 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 a doubt and um, I need to look at the detail of it but I've just been sent something um, now and I think they're going out with with something now to to relay that so I think that's a real positive step forward I think the PFA have been active in that so really welcome um, that as well and certainly, um, I think the EFL uh, have done a great job in putting the protocols in place. And if that means then increased testing to make sure everybody's safe and comfortable, I think it is the right thing to do. Do, do you accept, and I'm guessing because of how the League Two season finished last season, so I think I could probably know your answer to this, that um, there's every likelihood that this isn't go- this season can't be fair because because of the situation that it's being played in. And by fair, I mean, look, some teams might end up having to play Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, as an example, right towards the end of the season to fit everything in. Or some teams might have to play a game when they've only got 11 senior players and have to top it up with, with youth team players. Do, do you think there's a, a there's a recognition that, look, we're just going to have to to deal with our own individual situation and if if that means it's not quite as fair as it should be then so be it for it for a season well given we're second in the league and we've had the best start we've ever had in 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 our history then you know i i i think we should crack on as much as we can obviously <laughs> but um, yeah no it's an interesting one because you know there's been a few debates around the you know, the sport and integrity of that, where you, you know, you could le- lose a number of players, etc., cetera, um, with, with, within it. Um, and it's a difficult one to work out what's fair and, and, and what's not fair. I think 
I think the important thing is that one of the things that lockdown, you know, you really start to realise how important football is to a community. And, you know, I think that if there was a decision to curtail a season, I think that that would have quite far reaching uh, effects from not seeing football on TV, for instance. Um, I also think that football, certainly at our level and within the FL, it would be very difficult from a broadcasting perspective and also from a commercial perspective in terms of how do you pay that revenue back when you're not delivering the product. You can't expect to have the money if you're not putting that out. And I think what that then does is to put more pressure on, on clubs. As you know, you know, clubs at our level get a, 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 a decent amount from both the EFL and indeed the Premier League by way of a grant. But if you're not delivering the product, you can't really expect the money. So, you know, for me, I think that there are a load of other factors that probably outweigh that that say that the football should continue continue on um, as much as we we can. And, and I think the key thing in all of it, you know, putting money aside and sport and integrity aside is the well-being and health of the players, staff and everybody involved. I think if that is or does become or start to become compromised at that point, then you've got to draw back and go, look, hang on a minute. Let's, let's, let's look at this. You cannot put people at risk. You cannot put their uh, health and well-being at risk, those that they go home with, their loved ones and all the rest of it. And that's why I think going to testing twice a week, I think will be, will be welcomed. Yeah, Gavin, I'm just wondering as a, as a sort of a, perhaps a final thought, I mean, given Newport County and your, you know, the, the, the contacts you've had with Premier League clubs over the years, uh, over the recent years, and they've gone pretty well. What is your view on how the Premier League have supported the pyramid during this period? We talked about the bailout before and you, you said how well League Two as a group had responded to the challenge. Do you think the Premier League did its bit? Well, um, yes, because, of course, we've got the bailout that we've received of, of, of recent times. It, it's one of those, those difficult questions, in, in essence, because I'd always had this uh, kind of Disney thought process that football comes together like a great community and there's a happy ever ending, uh, 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 ending to it. To it all in 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 that respect, and um, you know, to a certain extent, that's that's happened with the the bailout. I do think that what is needed absolutely is the and whether you look at Project Big Picture or you call it something else, I think there's merit in it without a shadow of a doubt. Because you know, if you look at any pyramid, any pyramid relies on 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 the supply chain, and in essence. The EFL clubs are the supply chain to a certain extent to the, the 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 Premier League. Whether that be they are then the next Jamie Vardy. Look at our club. You look at us, and we had Ben White on loan first here. Ben White then went to Peterborough. He then went to Leeds. He's now uh, gone back to his parent club at Brighton, and there's significant amounts of money being put on him as a as, as a player. But he's had that great development through the EFL. Look at. Jamie Vardy in terms of him as a player as well. So I think that the pyramid plays a really important part within, within that. But for the pyramid to, to survive and for the pyramid uh, to prosper as well, you know, in essence, that wealth 
at the top of the game and the distribution of, of that wealth, not just at the Premier League, but also within the EFL, it needs to be looked at to ensure that, you know, you've got that pyramid in, in place. And, you know, whilst that, I guess, to a certain extent, has got to come with conditions, so it's no good just chucking a load of money at somebody. You chuck a load of money at somebody, they may well turn around and say, Do you know what, I'm going to get all those loans back I've had in place now, take my dividends out, and thanks very much. You know, they've got to come attached, in my view, with, with some kind of conditions so that it means the football club does prosper, it spends it in the right way. And that's why the salary cap for me was so important because it was one of the fundamental measures in place. There are probably other things that that go along with that um, as, as well. But, you know, I think the Premier League play a really important part in sure, ensuring that the football community does survive. It's a great brand. It's a worldwide brand, you know, and you've only got to look at the wealth that's there at the top of the level. And in essence, I think, you know, a further sharing of that down the pyramid can only benefit not just uh, the, the clubs within EFL, but also the Premier League because of those developments and also the grassroots. And, and I think if you look at what club, you know, you look at our club at, at any one given week, we've got between, I don't know, three, 350 kids who are part of our academy right the way through the week. We're in the, the kit wanting to be the next, uh, you know, county hero um, in, in, in that respect, but it's a great way of engaging your community. And, and that's why for me that, Football clubs are a lot more than a Saturday and a, and, and a Tuesday. I always kind of knew that, but lockdown has proved that so much. We've done lots of Zoom calls with, with fans, vulnerable supporters, etc. And you can see how much they're missing that football. And also, I think that the, the, the players are missing that interaction as well. You know, we, we very rarely have a player at our club who says, no, I don't want to do it. They will all do it. And they, they enjoy, you can tell, you can just sit there with them and listen to them, listen to them to those fans. That's the same engagement that they get. Mm. So, you know, I think that football has got to be looked at as something different that not just a Saturday and Tuesday, um, you know, and I do think the Premier League have got a, a fundamental part to, to play in that. But you also, you know, mustn't forget that we already get a significant amount of money from the Premier League and, you know, I, I'm very grateful for, for that at, at our club. You'd always want more money. Um, and, you know, if that wealth could be distributed in a little bit of a different way, and I think the EFL have got a part to play in that, then, you know, my view is that that certainly should 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 happen. And I I think, you know, Rick Parry has gone on the record many times in, 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 in relaying this, and I think Rick is the right person to steer us through that as well. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. I know it's a busy week for you, and I know you, you've delayed going out for a walk to talk to us, so we will now let you uh, get your hour in the fresh air or whatever you're allowed at the moment. Cheers, yeah. guys. Thanks so much. Like, go, go warm up underneath that dome. <laughs> Cheers, Gavin. Thank you. Cheers, bye. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'll be back with David Ornstein on Monday and with Matt again next Thursday. Bye for now. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.